everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my co-host, Jordan Bianchi. We are writers at theathletic.com, and we have just watched a Wednesday night, day slash night, uh, Texas race, at least the conclusion of it. Jordan, I thought we were done with this whole midweek racing and night racing thing, and here we are on a Wednesday night, just a few days before Martinsville wrapping up this Texas race. I mean, wow. Uh, this was not the week everybody expected. Oh my goodness. I, I, I honestly, when they, even when the, the engines were fired and the race was about to restart, I honest to God, I expected like the rain clouds just to open up and there's a flood to hit the racetrack. I'm like, something is going to happen because there's no way this race is actually going to get in. And it did, but it's been absolutely a crazy last three, three days. I, I can't imagine being a crew member and being at that racetrack and just basically stuck there. Um, especially with the turnaround and everything. So they got it in, thankfully, because if that thing gets pushed tomorrow, that's going to screw up a lot for this weekend. But we got her in, and we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, i tell you what. I I have all season long been being like, you know, man, you know, COVID sucks. I wish I was at the racetrack. I wish I was <laughs> – this was one weekend where I was glad I was not there. I was not missing sitting in that mist, whatever it was. Um, <laughs> I'm still traumatized by – 2007 Michigan that got moved um, to a Tuesday. This one started and then got moved to a Wednesday. I don't think that's ever happened in at least the last 20 years, um, maybe longer. Uh, so this was fairly unprecedented for this generation, um, especially you know the Twitter age where we see everybody's thoughts of uh, man, this sucks or what, what's everybody's doing, you know, back in 2007, when this happened, the only people we had to complain to were each other and the people at the track. So, um, <laughs> uh, this was, speaking uh, of this, yeah. uh-huh. can we get the patented Jeff Gluck rant about TV start times? Cause I've been waiting for this for like three days. You know, I kind of calmed down on it. Uh, I'm sorry to disappoint <laughs> you day one. I was, I was all, you know, I was just like, man, this is exactly what happens when you start the race late in the afternoon you're just asking for it you know um and and it's true that they are but uh they they tried so hard the next few days to get it in how how often you know do you have a situation where it's going to just mist and you're a cloud is going to sit on the track for three straight days Yeah, there was nothing on the radar on sunday which is the most mystifying thing pardon the pun but oh that was, you know, yeah thank you yeah <laughs> Um, it's just, there was no, there was nothing on the radar and it's just, there's moisture in the air and it's just, it's maddening. I, like you said, I, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't there cause I, I would have just gone crazy, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough, but I, I understand your, your, the argument for, for later, for earlier start times and there's some truth to it, but it just, we've talked about it before. I just, you're, you're at the mercy of your TV partners and if that's what they want, that's what you got to go with. Well, and, and honestly, in the future, I was thinking about this more, uh, this weekend, but, um, I, I would think that earlier start times when one day shows, when everybody goes back to the track and, you know, we're talking about 28 one day shows, um, next year. And I, I know we're getting way off track here. Uh, we're going to talk about Texas, I promise. But, um, I would think that late start times, like the one we saw at Texas 3 PM or later or whatever, will be the wave of the future. Because when you have, uh, the cup series just coming in one day, you're going to have so many sponsor commitments, media commitments, mm-hmm. fan appearance stuff to do before the race that you can't do. You're not going to be, you're not going to have those practice days. You're not going to have those qualifying days. Um, so you're almost going to need more time in the mornings. You can't just say, all right, we're going to start it at noon. So 
that's another reason I'm just kind of like, I, I guess this is just what we're, what we're all stuck with <laughs> and everybody's a slave to TV right now anyway. But yes, I was definitely fired up on day one, but, uh, that was last week at this point. So, um, okay. So the second thing, and this relates back to kind of what we're going to talk about with Kyle Busch winning today. Is it now a good time to say, I told you so I said, Kyle Busch was going to win a race this year and you said, no, it wasn't going to happen. Well, uh, sure. Yeah, you could say that. And I'm free to admit I'm, I'm wrong, but I mean, to be fair, I've been pretty sure Kyle Busch said he wasn't going to win a race either and said that <laughs> they had no chance. So, uh, certainly his tune changed, changed today. Um, and really, um, the way that this whole race happened with Kyle Busch, you know, the, the drama of the fuel saving stuff. And then, um, there's just so many storylines. Uh, it, it was really remarkable. I mean, because you had obviously the, the major storyline of Kyle Busch, um, trying to get a 16 year streak career long, uh, has never had a winless season. Um, obviously hadn't won since last year, Homestead, and he's trying to go for it, trying to save fuel, uh, something that he's not really necessarily a specialist at doing. So he's doing that and right behind him gaining ground is his teammate, Martin Truex Jr. Who has not had a, uh, the, the season he wanted in terms of getting playoff points, then finds himself in a hole after the first week, then finds himself in a bigger hole. Um, Sunday when he had a 20 point pre-race penalty crew chief suspended starts at the back of the pack and really, um, you know, winning at Texas was, was going to be his only ticket unless he wins at Martinsville. So you had that storyline. Then you have Christopher bell in third place, um, Levine family racing, getting ready to close up shop at their, mm-hmm. their, you know, they're a Texas team, um, or, you know, their, their owners are from Texas and you know, wow, what, what a story that would have been to see them win in their final appearance at Texas motor speedway. Um, you had Ryan Blaney searching for a win and that would have been a big boost to them. Alex Bowman, uh, has now finished third and fifth in, in these first two races of this round. And yet <laughs> still lost points. Yeah. It's 25 points out. So had he won, that would have been, you know, so you just go on and on down. Uh, Keselowski could have, you know, he's six. He could have won his way to the final four. Kurt Busch seventh. He could have won his way to the final four. Mm-hmm. Matt Benedetto eighth looking for his first career win, you know, Denny Hamlin ninth. So it's and- just, yeah, yeah, I'll I'm even add to this too. Like both Hamlin and Harvick had various issues. Um, you know, Harvick, you know, he got in the wall earlier and, and rallied back, and then he yeah, when they didn't throw the a caution for missed. Yeah, exactly. And then Hamlin um, got into it when the race restarted today. Got into the back of Bubble Wallace, had a hole in the car. So, and it looked like both of those guys looks like their days were going to go south. And the points race at one point was really tight going into Martinsville and. It's not as tight now, so yeah, a lot of storylines, a uh, lot to talk about. Uh, it was entertaining. It was, it was, it wasn't uh, those most exciting race, but it was, like I said, entertaining in a weird way. To me, I mean, it wasn't a traditional strategy type race, but this the strategy that was there really kept me engaged. I I, I know it was a long race, obviously, um, even though the first forty five minutes of actual racing was on Sunday, and then we had uh, basically another three hours. Uh, today on Wednesday, but still, I, I mean, I was engaged. Uh, I was, I was sort of glued to it. Um, it was one of those, those races where I'm sort of, uh, tapping my foot up and down or my knee up and down. Cause I'm like, man, what's going to happen here? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know what the outcome's going to be. And there's so many possible things to happen here. Um, you know, had, had Truex won, uh, to the point that you're sort of hinting at here, that really, really would have been a game changer. And I feel like, um, it, it's almost a shame that because that really would have changed the point picture in a major oh my way. Goodness. That, that would have everything. that would have 
made it chaos because you would have had Logano and Truex in, um, Harvick and Hamlin not clinched, uh, Keselowski out by two points, Hamlin in only by two points, Elliot Bowman essentially um, must win situations, and now um, you've got Hamlin to the good by twenty seven points, Keselowski to the good by twenty five. Elliot and Bowman, 25 out. Truex, uh, I think he's 34 out or something. So he pretty much has to win. Kurt Busch obviously has to win. So now it's it's really, as in terms of the points, it's really not as much drama. Now, we don't know what's going to happen because if you do get a Truex-type guy to win um, or or Chase Elliott or whatever, then, then it gets really tight between Hamlin and Kozlowski if they don't have any problems or whatever, that that's going to be a very intriguing race. If somebody from the outside wins, but as it stands now, uh, you don't have that at least going into it, if that makes sense. So, um, that detracts from the storyline a little bit, but I still think Martinsville is going to be a a crazy must watch. I keep, you know, we, we we talked about this last week and we've talked about it a few times. I keep saying these cutoff races are going to be insane because we had Bristol and we had the Roval and, and they weren't, bad races they just weren't maybe the drama we were looking for and so i'm trying to kind of mute my expectations for martinsville and you know not to think that they're going to start throwing pumpkins at each other on pit road after the race is over or something like that um but yeah it's got the potential for chaos because like you said you've got two guys who run really really well there in martin trucks jr and chase elliott especially truex and those guys are in the haunt at the end i i good luck to the guys in front of them because you they're not going to be giving anybody any favors yeah and the thing about martinsville is you can't I, I don't think there's a way to protect a lead or ride around or just be like all right we're gonna just go stay out of trouble you know like like mm-hmm. keselowski i'm thinking of right he, he's great at martinsville um he's got a 25 point cushion so in theory you go there and you get a top 10 you're good but easier said than done you know there's so much that can happen there um you know, every lap it's, it, who knows what, what can happen. Somebody can just get into the corner too deep behind you, or you can, you know, pile into somebody else's mess in front of you. Uh, the restarts are crazy, obviously. So you just don't really, you don't know. And, uh, I, I think that really adds to the drama here because there's just nowhere to hide. So whether you're Hamlin or even Harvick or, or whatever, I mean, Harvick, um, you know, he's 40 points to the good or whatever, but it's, you still can't, you know, go in there and DNF stage one and just hope to hope it's all going to work out to you and you'll hang on. You mean, and there's just, yeah, there's no. just no guarantee. Absolutely. Harvick's 42 points up. And let me throw this at you. Remember back in the spring when they raced there, Denny Hamlin, traditionally really, really good at Martinsville. One of his best tracks. He comes in 27 points up. You think, okay, that's a good spot to be in. But back in the spring, they were horrible. That was the worst race of the year. And they have another dud like that. They don't move. They don't move on. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think about. But I mean, um, Hamlin obviously, you know, he he had gotten out of the groove um, on Sunday, lost a bunch of spots, and then um, gets into the back of the the Kenseth uh, incident damage, um, and uh, that that really hurt him today. So he, you know, he finishes ninth, but still, I mean, that's not. A, uh, a Hamlin-like performance that you would have thought going in, into Texas. Um, Harvick obviously had his struggles, and um, you know I, I had heard rumors that Harvick had his his uh, championship or his undefeated car, um, and obviously it got damaged and, and they had problems. But the, the the undefeated car that swept Michigan in the Brickyard, I had 
you know, heard some rumblings that that was the one that was at Texas. Now I asked Rodney Childers about it and he, he played coy and wouldn't confirm it. So I, I don't know that for sure, but if that's the case, I mean, that was a bullet, a bullet wasted for them. So you, you did see, I mean, some of the, the guys you would expect to be up there have problems and, uh, really Truex seemed to be in really great position to take advantage of that ultimately. And, um, I think obviously should he not make it, that's going to be, you know, a gallon of fuel or half a gallon of fuel or whatever, probably less, um, is, is going to be what stood between him and the final four, which is going to be painful. That's going to be really hard to swallow for them, you know, but yeah, first time they would have missed it since 2016 and you finish second to a teammate, which kind of adds to it a little bit too, kind of like a stomach punch. I mean, you, you know, and this is, a, a, a kind of track that he has dominated on before. We haven't seen it much this year. We, we've talked about it. Hasn't doesn't have a lot of stage wins. Doesn't have a lot of bonus points. Has thrown away some points. A twenty point penalty, you know, on Sunday for a spoiler issue. So you start adding those up, and that that you, you and you look at where he's at in the standings. That that's going to explain his position. So yeah, it it is going to be interesting. It's the, the points gap between the fourth place driver and the fifth place driver is a little bigger than you would think. But again, like you said, Martinsville is one of those tracks. Anything can happen and there's nowhere to hide. I thought you made a good point on that. Jordan, speaking of missed opportunities, uh, Chase Elliott looked like he was going to be in great position to have a, a good day. Um, you know, you, I, I can't really fault the call that they made. I mean, um, he didn't, wasn't reporting any tire problems. It's, it's the laps are running out in the stage. They go ahead and pit and, and go with a gas only fuel only call to try to pick up some extra stage points, which at this point, um, stage points, are everything. I know I just said points a lot in one sentence there, but, um, stage points are, are huge, you know, to try to pick up whatever points you can. Uh, ultimately, as soon as he's leaving pit road, he goes, Oh my gosh, I have a tire coming apart. Has to come back down, goes a lap. Uh, back down to pit road, goes lap down and is never able to get it back. Kyle Busch stayed out, um, denying Elliott a chance to take the wave around. And um, he raced and, and stage three goes entirely green after um, like five cautions in stage one. Um, and Elliott's never able to, to get the lucky dog. He loses his opportunity to get the free pass and um, he ends up finishing 20th. Massive dose of bad luck there. Um, I mean, do you fault the Alan Gustafson call and do you blame Alan Gustafson? I feel like we, it's so easy to blame Alan Gustafson because they, they've had so many miscues, uh, decision wise, strategy wise over the year. But, uh, I, for this one, I don't know. I can't really, I can't really fault him now, you know, two tight, you know, a conservative call would have been take tires of course, but I don't know if you, you're, you can be conservative at this point. Yeah, I, I see both sides of it, and I think in this situation with with a lot of people t- courting tires, a lot of people reporting vibrations, to me, over the course of a long green flag run, the, the, the thing to do is to put on tires and, and to know that you're okay. It, it, and you think you should be able to get two tires on in the time it takes to fill up you know, uh, the, the car, but I, I get it. You're playing for points, and every point matters, and it, it really speaks to kind of the larger issue, or not even an issue, but just kind of the larger theme what we've seen with Chase Elliott in the playoffs, where he makes the playoffs every year, and he makes it to the semifinals just about every year, and it's just one reason or another. Sometimes it's it's self-induced mistakes. Sometimes it's just bad luck. He 
finds himself, you know, it just kind of buried in points by the time you go to that cutoff race. And that's the position he's in now where he goes into Martinsville and it's not a must win, but you need a lot of things to work in your favor to, to get in on points. And it's a tall task to, to think it's going to happen. So it kind of is a must win. And that's just how it is. And I wrote about this on The Athletic a few weeks ago. It's just at some point you, you expect Elliott and that nine team to break through it and to figure out, you know, to get to that next level. And it's just, we're still kind of waiting for it. Yeah. It's uh you just, if you're a Chase Elliott fan, I guess you just got to shake your head and uh, it's got to be tough to swallow because it just seems like every year there's so much potential and just seems like how, how many opportunities can you miss? Um, you know, at some point, you know, he's so young and they have so much time, but, you know, you're throwing away. And, and again, it's, it, it's such, it's something different every time it seems to happen to them, but man, it's gotta be, it's gotta be really frustrating. Um, let's talk about Kyle Bush before we, we move on too much, just in the fact that, um, the relief that he felt, um, it was, it was a totally different Kyle Bush than we've seen this year. No, no salty Kyle. He was, I mean, he was relieved. He, yeah, relieved. it was, it was amazing. I mean, compared it to winning a championship. Yeah, he said those final laps were were the same feeling. Um, I mean, he really seemed uh, quite. I mean, it wasn't even just happiness. It was just like he was just a totally Relief. different guy afterwards. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think him forgetting to do the bow. <laughs> I think that kind of tells you everything. It's just I think there was a lot going through his mind at that point, a lot of emotions, and it, it's been a struggle. It's been a frustrating year. Um, and he finally gets that win and it's just, you're trying to process everything. And he, he forgot, he forgot to do the bow. And then, you know, there's questions about the team and going forward and what's going to happen and who knows, but yeah, it's, it's remarkable to me. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around this is that we're, you know, three races out from the season being over. And we're just now talking about Kyle Busch winning his first race. That, that would be something I never thought was going to happen. He's not a factor in the championship, which is, wasn't ha- hasn't happened since 2014. It's just, it is really crazy. Yeah. Um, it, and it was interesting too. I mean, um, Adam Stevens afterward was pretty frank about, um, you know, it, it sort of, I don't know about his confidence being shaken, um, in, in his job. And he said, look, I, I know I have a role in, uh, at Kyle Bush or sorry, at Joe Gibbs racing. I have a home here, but I don't know if I'll be back with Kyle Bush next year. Those conversations haven't happened yet. And we know that there's going to have to be changes on the 18 team. So uh, it'll be interesting to see whether they go forward. I mean, do you think that that they should go forward together or should there be a breakup? I mean, obviously, I mean, Adam Stevens kind of won him that race today with that great fuel strategy and coaching him through every lap and constantly saying, okay, draft up on this guy. And he could see that whether Kyle was lifting or not and saying, all right, we need a little bit more here. And I mean, that's an Adam Stevens win. I mean, Kyle, you know, executed as much as he could, but and and Kyle, to his credit, credited Adam Stevens for for getting him that win, and I think that speaks volume. So I, we we talked a lot about the Stevens Bush relationship after the Roval when Kyle was limited from the playoffs, and I and I kind of circle back to that, which is you look at what Kyle did before Adam Stevens, and I think it's fair to say that Kyle had some really great years, but often he underachieved, and it was kind of uneven, and the playoff success wasn't there. And when Adam came aboard in 2015, maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe there's some other factors at play. But the fact is, is that they've won two championships since they've been together. And there is not another driver crew chief pairing that has as many championships as they do. I think Adam brings a great deal of structure and guidance. 
and a willingness to, frankly, stand up to Kyle and not be afraid of him. It's being a crew chief for Kyle Busch is a great thing because you're working with one of the top drivers with one of the top teams, but it also comes with a lot of pressure, and you've got to be able to handle that, and you've got to be able to handle Kyle, who, if things aren't going well, it's not always it's not usually the driver's fault, and that is something that is understandable. And and I think you know Adam touched on it when you when you asked the question, and it, it's it's you're going to have doubts, you're going to have moments when you self reflect and say, what am I doing wrong, and. I personally think I think they deserve another year together. Um, you can look at the fact and say they've only won you know two races over the last year and a half, and you know is this working? But to me, they deserve the benefit of the doubt to really go into this offseason, ask them really hard questions. There's no championship to mask their issues. I think this often happens. This happened with Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canales in 2016. You win a championship. And all of a sudden it feels like, hey, wow, everything is fine. You know, look, we still won the championship. And that just kind of is, you're kind of just glossing over the issues that were kind of permeating. And I think that's what happened last year. But now you go into the offseason, you you ask some tough questions, you make some changes uh, maybe, but the crew chief and the driver remain the same. And if next year or the start of next year is a struggle, then you make a change. Interesting. Well, I, I am, I'm kind of unclear now. I've kind of moved back onto the fence from um yeah change probably needs to be made to um you know i think winning can cure a lot and you know maybe this can restore some faith in each other that they they've been missing i mean adam stevens another thing he said he was pretty frank that um look early in the season uh you know maybe a lack of practice was an excuse uh okay excuse but at this point no factor um in their struggles so you know he's he's not shying away from anything and uh you know, it's just I don't know what to do there because who else do you bring in for, for Kyle that's going to be as good? I mean, they've won a couple championships together. So I, I, I'm i kind of on the fence. I have to think more about uh, what to yeah, do about I, that, I, that situation. I don't think it's a black or white call. And I think I think there's there's arguments to be made on both sides. And it's and then the question, like you said, becomes well, who who do you replace? Who is better than Adam Stevens? Who can get into – who can tap into Kyle Busch that they can, can get back to that performance that we're, we're accustomed to? You know, Joe Gibbs Racing is not afraid to shuffle crew chiefs around. They're not afraid to promote from within from the Xfinity Series. They had a lot of luck doing They've had a lot. I shouldn't say luck. They have had a lot of success doing that with other drivers. Um, I don't know. I, I just There is no easy answer. Listen, before we move on, um, I, I do need to say something that uh, I usually say for later in the episode, and that is um, to plug the athletic promo um, since we went to this new model in September of how we do, uh, our news differently, um, uh, we try to get some reaction out, um, and headline packages stuff when news happens on the app. I hope you guys who are the athletic subscribers are checking your app cause it's, it's really a different thing. And it, um, we have some real time reaction that we're constantly pumping in there now, uh, probably at least once a day. Um, so make sure to look for that in the real time section. But, um, for when, when they launch that, um, and to, to mark the 1 million subscribers of The Athletic, they went to a $1 a month offer. Um, well, that offer is ending um, this week, I believe. So by the end of this week, um, it's not going to be the $1 a month offer anymore. So we have a promo code uh, for the teardown. And that's, it's, it's pretty simple. If you go to theathletic.com slash the teardown, um, that you will be prompted for that $1 uh, code. So uh, $1 a month code. So um, make sure to do that before um, time runs out here. If you're not a subscriber, 
If you are a subscriber, um, thanks to those of you, and we hope you're enjoying it still and stick with us. Uh, you know, we're, we'll definitely keep the content coming in the off season, of course, as well. So anyway, um, let's talk about something else that happened in the news real quick before we move on to the was the good race poll. And that was just earlier today before the race, Hendrick Motorsports announced that Kyle Larson uh, is going to drive for them next year. Now, we obviously anticipated this for a while now. As silly season seats filled up, except Hendrick's open seat was left open and Kyle Larson still didn't have a ride. And we could see that he was obviously uh, making all the moves to come back. He got reinstated. He was on sort of an apology tour. And now he has been named as the driver of the number five car, replacing the number 88 car. Of course, Alex Bowman slides over to the 48. So, um, you know, obviously again, no surprise, but at the same time, um, worth talking about in that Hendrick's lineup now has been reshaped for the future. Um, seems like pretty solidified as a lineup they can go forward with for a while. What do you think? What's your first reaction to the, the, the Larson news? Uh, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, a year ago, Jimmy Johnson announced that he was going to retire and immediately the number one name when you talk to people, and I, and I wrote about this on the athletic was Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson was going to be a free agent after 2020 at Chip Ganassi racing. A lot of teams were eyeing him. Hendrick Motorsports was the number one candidate. They had him number one on their list. They, they were all in on him. They, they wanted him in the past. It didn't work out, but they were going to get him this time. And going into this year, that was kind of the consensus was, you know, was Kyle Larson going to end up at Stuart Haas Racing or is he going to end up at Hendrick and who's going to replace Jimmy Johnson? And guess what? That's exactly what happened. But it's it's just weird to me. Like so much happened in between there. And we took this very curvy, you know, windy road to get to the same spot we, we thought we were going to be. But it's just I, I think Hendrick. If we're just talking about on the racetrack right now, Hendrick Motorsports, this is a great hire. This was they got a tremendous driver and A plus talent. They they finalized. They they have a four driver lineup, which is incredibly stellar. Um, I think it's really impressive that they have Chase Elliott, William Byron, and Kyle Larson under multi year contracts, and those are going to be at least three drivers in their cars for the next you know few years. Plus, they've got Alex Bowman, who's been who's been solid. Um, I like what they did. I, I love this move. I think it's a great move that now, you know, obviously you got to take everything else into account. And Kyle, as we've talked about, has put in the work and, and, and acknowledged that he made a huge mistake and he has recognized that and he is trying to make amends for that. And he's done a very good job of that. And he still has, I think, work to do. And it's going to be over time when, you know, people can really look at him and say, okay, you know what? He's learned from this and, it, it, but that it takes time. You can't just say that this is immediate. So I like it. Good for Kyle Larson. He, he's he earned he's earned a second chance. Now it's up to him to to show that he deserves that second chance. And I'm excited to see what he can do with the best opportunity he's ever had in NASCAR with a team that is one of NASCAR's best. Where yeah, I mean, is Hendrick the same level they were? No, their cars are still pretty darn good. Um, he's going to have a chance to do a lot of things and. I am, uh, I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. You know, um, obviously it's going to be the best chance he's ever had, like you said, and we've always, it's always sort of been a what if, right? Like the Chip Ganassi stuff can run hot and cold. And so everything that we always talk about with Larson in stock cars anyway, um, he's obviously the best dirt racer, um, in the world, but, um, on stock cars, you know, you're just like, man, um, I, I just wonder how he'd do if he was in in great equipment. And now we're going to be able to see that. 
So that'll be really interesting. You know, um, can he win, you know, lots of races? I, I, I think that it kind of depends on how Hendrick is running as a whole, just because it's this package where, you know, if you, if you had put him at Hendrick a few years ago, where, you know, it wasn't this wide open to the floor package block in the air drafting, he would have made a lot more difference probably than he's going to be able to make now. Cause he could have been able to, to rip the fence and run the wall all the time and, and, you know, go to those tracks where, uh, it can really make a difference as a driver. Now it's, it's harder clearly for drivers to, you know, get away from each other and, and, um, you know, when everybody's running wide open, right. It's, it's a different game. So, um, that'll change things, but I still think he's going to be, you know, a championship contender or he should be and win multiple races a year. Um, and it'll just be really interesting to see how Hendrick does as a whole, because they're going to have some weapons as you mentioned. And, uh, it'll be, it'll be fascinating just to see that storyline next year. I mean, I can't wait to talk about in the off season and debate with you things like, you know, who will have the most wins at Hendrick next year. I mean, I'll have to think about it, but it's, it's going to be an interesting question. So, um, anyway, lots more to come on that, but just wanted to give our, our quick reaction to the Larson news. Yeah, go ahead. And don't forget, if you want to read more about what we have to say, too, check out theathletic.com because I think we did a really good job of kind of analyzing the situation and answering, I think, really the five most pertinent questions related to this move. Well, speaking of doing a good job, Jordan, um, it seems like a long time ago now, but you did a great job on the Was It a Good Race poll from Kansas. Um, you tied your closest guess of the playoffs and you narrowed the gap to four to three. Um, and I had my second worst guess of the playoffs. This is all according to Big Joe Wall 72, who uh, is keeping this for us, keeping track of this. The score is now four to three heading into this guess for the Was It a Good Race poll. Uh, the diff- points differential, by the way, is down to 10 points. So um, I've been a total of 51 points off. You've been 61 points off. It's really anybody's uh, guess now. I've really blown it here. And uh, so it's going to be interesting yeah, to I mean, see. Listen, here's yeah. the thing, Jeff, is, is some people, when the playoffs come, they rise to the occasion and, and, and you know, deep to dig down deep inside them and find another level. And other people wilt under the spotlight. And I'm going to let you determine who, you know, who's who, but it's pretty obvious, let's just say. Well, wait a minute now. I, I thought that last year you didn't even, or last week, you didn't even care about this. You I don't s- care. You don't care? No, I don't care. My text messages still, say this- differently when you won the <laughs> poll this week. My text messages say very differently. <laughs> I see. It doesn't, it does, this thing is dumb. It's just, it's fun. It's all good. It's all fun and games, whatever. But I don't if I know. Win, I, I do care. I, I think I'm going <laughs> to, should I, should I read your text messages live on the air here? <laughs> No, 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 no need for that. Just no? all fun. I just like to poke you a little you bit. Sent me, you sent me GIFs, uh, which I do say GIFs because that's what the creator of the GIF slash GIF says. Yeah, you so used I to yell to... at me for that, by the way. Yeah. Um, you made fun of me hard for that for years. Anyway, um, you sent me all sorts of celebratory things saying how glad you are that we do this every week. So I Sarcasm. think you, you need an attitude adjustment. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll go. I'm, I'm going to go first this week because I lost. Um, however, I, I am very, I don't know how people are going to view this. Um, I, first of all, I'm not sure how many people watch this race were able to watch because, uh, of the long delay. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I don't know how they'll, how they'll view it. I think the people watched, I mean, 
it wasn't great racing, but the storylines were so compelling and the strategy was so compelling. So I just feel like it's, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be terrible, but it's a Texas race. So it's not going to be great. I guess I want to lean toward like a 72%. What do you think? Oh, that seems a little high. Uh Uh-oh. So 72%. Okay. Um, I'm leaving you a lot of room here. Yeah. I would say like 60. I'm going to go 60. We'll say 60%. I was actually thinking even a little bit lower because again, I factor, I'm trying to factor in the winner. People aren't fans of Kyle Busch. The, The ending I thought was good, but you know, it wasn't the, it wasn't close. So I'm going to say 60 and try to play the number game a little bit. Okay. 60 for you, 72 for me. And, uh, we'll do this again in a few days. Now, one more thing before we go, Jordan, uh, on the last podcast, we mentioned that, uh, the listeners of this podcast don't have a nickname and we threw out the, the downers, uh, for the teardown. Some people, uh, we got a lot of responses on Twitter for this. Some people liked the downers name. Some people threw in, uh, threw out other things like the tear offs and things like that. Some people said they don't want to be called a downer. So, uh, ultimately I don't know if we really have a true nickname <laughs> for the uh, podcast listeners, but, uh, we do appreciate you all either way, even if, uh, you're, you're not actually downers like we are. And, um, we don't have a, a proper nickname. Maybe someday we'll get one, but for now it seems like, uh, like the old untitled podcast, we have untitled, um, listeners, I guess no, no nickname. So there you go, Jordan, any final yeah. thoughts? I know you'll be at, uh, Martinsville, you must be looking forward to that one. I am. And it's only a few days away. <laughs> it really is. You're going to be driving up there it's, in no is, time. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm excited. I think it's going to be, a, you know, it's going to be a fun weekend for all three national series. Uh, I think the truck race on Friday night is going to be wild after what we saw Sunday, which feels like forever ago. Uh, Xfinity is going to be fun. And then obviously cop, we've talked about it all year. What Martinsville is going to be like last race before the championship, everything, you know, all anything goes kind of thing. So, uh, I think it's going to be, it's going to be wild. I think it's gonna be entertaining. Yeah, man. I can't wait. I cannot wait. This is, uh, this is the one race we've circled for so long now. Well, maybe March, 2019 that they announced this schedule, I think, or April, 2000. Yeah, I think it was March, 2019. I mean, a long time ago, um, that we've said, wow, Martinsville is a cutoff race, uh, for the semifinal race in this position to set the final four field. Uh, there's going to be desperation, drama, anger, uh, tempers for sure. It's going to be, man, this is, if this one's a letdown, I don't know what to, I don't, I don't know how to look at them anymore. Cause I just, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, it's tough. I mean, I just, like I said, Bristol was a good race, but it wasn't that free for all we thought. Uh, Roval was good, but it wasn't that the, the nuttiness that we expected. So, you know, who knows, but, uh, Let's put it this way. All the ingredients there are for chaos. Yep. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening so much. And we will talk to you in just a few days on The Teardown.